Cornerstone Bible Fellowship's online sermons. Join us each week as we dig into the truths of God's Word. You can find our sermons online at cbf.us slash sermons. We'd love to have you join us for a worship service this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at our campus at 7351 Warden Road in Sherwood, Arkansas. Now, let's listen to this week's sermon. Good morning. A lot of different opinions, weren't there? Sorry if my head reflects a little red for you on you this morning. I forgot sunscreen, and when you don't have any hair, that can be really rough. So it was, uh, you know, the red letters of Jesus, the red head of the pastor this morning. What do you think of Easter? What do you think of the cross? How does one get to heaven? It's important questions, important thoughts, aren't they? And there's just, uh, you know, walking down the street asking people and, and seeing what their responses were. And I would imagine probably, I don't know where that was, if you went to Little Rock, you probably would get a lot of similar responses. And this being Easter, it's probably a, a, a good time to, to look at some of those questions, especially that last one, how do you get to heaven? It was interesting because the first two or three people that answered it was, I don't know, which is kind of scary when you think about people that believe in heaven, believe in hell, and then when you ask them, well, how do you get there? I don't know. I think that would be a pretty important question to try and figure out the answer to that. And what does the cross, what does Easter, what does all of what we've been singing about this morning have to do with all of that? Well, I'm preaching through the book of John, and we're going to stay right in the book of John. We're going to keep right on going because this week we're going to look at a man named Nicodemus. And this account of Nicodemus and Jesus kind of fits right in with Easter because in essence that question, how does one get to heaven, is something Jesus is going to talk about here. We're all familiar with verse 3 of John chapter 3 where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We've probably heard that phrase. Many times, born again, and we're going to look at it in depth this morning. But as we go through the the Gospel of John, those of you, I'll I'll catch you up a little bit. We've gone through the first two chapters. In the first two chapters of John, the writer, John, has introduced us to Jesus. He has talked about him as the Logos there in chapter 1. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He described him, and then he brought in John the Baptist And how John the Baptist paved the way and told the world that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We were introduced to his first disciples that came along there at the end of chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, Jesus performed his first miracle, turning water into wine. Last week, we looked at Jesus cleaning the temple. And by cleaning, not with a dust rag or trying to make it look pretty, but by flipping over tables because of the sacrilege that was going on there. John has introduced us a little bit to who Jesus is and a little bit of his ministry. But as the gospel of John transitions into chapter 3, we now start to enter into a phase where John records a lot of the teaching of Jesus. Not, there's action, obviously, but there's a lot of Jesus explaining to people who he is, what he's about, and about his ministry. And right here at the beginning of chapter 3, it's, he gets right to the heart of it, about being born again and seeing the kingdom of heaven. One of the interesting things that we have to be aware of is the chapter divisions in the Bible are not inspired. 
They didn't come for about 900 years after the Bible was, was finished. And so really where chapter 3 begins, well, chap, the end of chapter 2 kind of helps you prepare for it. At the end of chapter 2, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Chapter that Those verses right there kind of transition us into chapter 3. It talks about Jesus is he's, he's getting known. Lots of people are figuring out this guy. He's doing miracles. He's performing these signs. And it says many are believing in his name. But Jesus, it says, doesn't entrust himself or he doesn't have belief in their belief. He sees what, they're, they're the, what little faith that they have is not saving faith. He recognizes that. He knows what was in a man. And so chapter 3 gives us a very specific account of these people, a guy named Nicodemus. And what it is with this, this counterfeit faith, this, these fake disciples that are starting to form around Jesus, it's an important thing to, to, to recognize that can be a part of our lives. You can believe that you're really good and on right ground with Christ when you really aren't. I mean, I've, I've gotten in line. We've all done this before. You go to the grocery store and you, there's, there's two lines open. One has like eight people and the other has one. And you go straight into that one with one and you think, I'm going to get through this real quick. And then the person whips out the checkbook or they said, no, this was a different price or whatever. And you realize and you see, you know, one after out of the other. And the guy that was eighth in line grins at you as he gets up there and checks out. And you're like, yeah, it's in the wrong line. And it's one thing to be faked out at the checkout line at a grocery store. It's another thing to find out your faith wasn't there. In John chapter 7 Verses 19 through 21, as Jesus is giving us the Sermon on the Mount, he says these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I, this is Jesus speaking, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These are disciples of some sort, aren't they? I mean, they're casting out demons. They're feeding people. They're prophesying. They're doing things in the name of Christ. We see this even all the way back to the Old Testament in several places. In Isaiah chapter 1. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he says this, When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Here are the group of people, the Jewish people, doing what the law says. They're having these festivals, these things that God has prescribed in the law. They're going to his temple, but God says, listen, no, it's, it's empty. False discipleship. And John chapter 2, as John introduces us to Jesus and says, yes, he's gathering this crowd but are the crowd real disciples? 
So then we get to this story in John chapter 3 of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, as we're going to see, he's a particular uh, important person. And he begins to interact with Jesus. And he has three questions or statements he makes. And Jesus responds three different times. And that's what we're going to look at this morning about that question. How does one get to heaven? How is one right with God? We've sung all of these songs this morning about being right with God, what Jesus has done for us. Well, let's make sure that that applies to us. Would you stand in the honor of God's word this morning? John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, I thank you for what it teaches us. Lord, that you from your mouth said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, as we sing this morning, we praise you. Lord, we learn the simple truth from what you taught Nicodemus, that God loved this world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Lord, I pray that we understand what that means and see what it means to be born again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and there's this three times Nicodemus says something and three times that Jesus responds. And in this we see Jesus making it clear how one gets to heaven. How is one saved? And so as we begin, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. We see he's very confident in himself and what he believes, but Jesus is correcting. Nicodemus, you got to understand a little bit about Nicodemus because John includes some specific information about him that is important to us. Nicodemus is not just an average, you know, schlumpening guy that's wandering the streets. He is a very, very important person. First thing John mentions, he's a Pharisee. Now, if you're familiar at all with the New Testament, you know the Pharisees are the the leaders or the religious people of Jesus' day that eventually become his biggest nemesis. He has numerous times where he confronts them, and it's this, this back and forth, and they're ultimately some of the main reasons why Jesus is crucified, at least uh, by the perception of the people. I mean, it's God's eternal plan, but they're the ones that carry it out. And the Pharisees, though, were not originally bad guys. They actually were pretty good guys when the Pharisees first started. If you ever read the Bible and you go to the Old Testament, you'll recognize there's no mention of the Pharisees. But yet in the New Testament, they're all over the place. 
Well, what happened is the Jewish people, when they first, you know, Moses gets the law, they settle the promised land. They have judges and then they have kings and, you know, there's King David and Solomon. And and what we see over and over in the Old Testament is they struggle with idolatry all the time. They're following idols. They'll follow idols and then they'll have a brief revival and then they're right back to idol worship. Even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, gets led astray by, you know, his thousands of women that he has to be an idol worshiper. They struggle with idolatry. And what ends up happening is eventually Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians conquer them. They destroy the temple, they destroy Jerusalem, and they take all of these captives away. Well, God, in his providence, allows the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. They get their land back uh, several decades later. And when they come back, they try and build themselves back together as as a nation. And as they do that, we don't see any more idol worship. In the New Testament, while the Pharisees have lots of problems, they're not worshiping all sorts of false gods and false idols or anything like that. And because of that, it's it's a lot to do with the Pharisees. The Pharisees originally came along, and and what they did is they kept, uh, they, they looked at the law, and they created all sorts of other rules and regulations to try and help people follow the law, to stay away from idols. And at first, it was good. Kept people from idol worshiping and going the other way, but they created more and more and more laws. It's kind of like our country or our culture. We have lots of laws. We have laws that we don't even know that we're breaking. I was reading some some laws that this week, and I found out that I think it's in Switzerland. It's illegal to own one guinea pig. Do you know that? You have to own at least two because guinea pigs can get lonely. It's an actual law. I mean, there's things. I don't know. Arkansas, I'm sure, has some crazy ones as well, but there's all sorts of laws. Well, the Pharisees over the centuries began to get this way. They created more and more rules and regulations and all sorts of things that people had to follow that eventually they got so distant from their original purpose, they actually hindered people's uh, relationship. Jesus with God, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, Jesus comes to them and says, listen, you're getting into the, you you follow the letter of the law, and you have extra laws that you've created, but you miss the spirit of it. You're missing the heart of it. It's, It's a dead, empty religion that they had. And not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, it says there that he was a ruler of the Jews. A ruler, that means he would have been part of the Sanhedrin. He would have been a Pharisee of the Pharisees, okay? The highest level. There were 70 of them, so there were 69 others beyond just uh, Nicodemus. And so he had political power. He had political clout. He could have you arrested. He could kind of make your life miserable if he wanted to. The Pharisees didn't have the power for capital punishment. We learned that with Jesus because they had to go to the Romans. But pretty much anything up to that, they had held sway. And so he was an influential, powerful, powerful guy. Yet here in chapter 3, he comes to Jesus, who at this point is, uh, well, he has no political clout. He has no power. He has no title. He's just been performing a lot of signs. He's been doing some things, and he's garnered some attention. So Nicodemus comes to him, and he makes this statement. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. Come from God. No one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. It's significant that Nicodemus addresses Jesus as rabbi. 
Rabbi was a, a title that was reserved for a teacher, a leader, somebody of great respect. And so Nicodemus, as the highest of the high in, in that culture, looks at Jesus and he calls him a rabbi. He recognizes something of significance in Jesus and what he's doing. But what he's, he's all about here are the signs that Jesus is doing. We know you're a teacher. Come from God. No one can do the signs unless God is with him. He makes this statement. He has confidence in who he is. He has confidence and he thinks he has Jesus figured. He has him pegged. He has it. Okay, maybe he's this guy that's performing these signs. Maybe as a politician or a powerful guy, I need to figure out who, what he's all about. But he kind of has Jesus pegged because of who he is, because of Nicodemus' credentials. And then Jesus responds to him. I always like how Jesus responds because there's no, he doesn't beat around the bush, does he? He doesn't sit there and because Nicodemus is this high-ranking official, he, you know, oh, you're great. He just, let's get to the point. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes right to him. He says, listen, there's no concern for protocol. Listen, Nicodemus, what you need to know, you need to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. Now, when we see born again, we've heard that phrase. Everybody in here, I'm sure, has heard that phrase numerous times in their life. And the word again, it can be translated again, but it's often from above or there's a spiritual sense. Jesus says something significant needs to take place in your life. And it's so significant, it appears as if you're a brand new creature. You are born again. There's nothing newer than a baby, right? I mean, a baby is, there's a blank slate. You're not sure what you're, it's a baby. That's, that's spiritually what you must be like, born again, to see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God has a, 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 the way you have to understand the kingdom of God, God is sovereign over all of the universe. There's nothing that God is not, it's not part of his kingdom. But here, John, who only mentions the kingdom of God twice, is specifically talking about the elect people of God, Christians, believers. It's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he said, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. God's chosen, God's followers, those who have repented and turned of their sins, that's who he's speaking about here in the kingdom of God. And he says, unless you are born again, can't see it. You can't enter it. It's a totally new way of seeing righteousness and attainment. It's a totally new way of, of understanding how one is right with God. Think about Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee. He is the religious leader. Everybody looks to him. He gives guidance. He teaches people. In Nicodemus' mind, if anyone in Israel was right with God, it was him. He had everything that anyone in that day and age, the way he taught, the way he felt, the way he looked, I've got it. I'm good. I'm, I have no problems. And Jesus basically says, no. In fact, you're so far away, it, it, it's, like being, it, it's like starting over, being born again. Nicodemus would have been much like Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 and 6, Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul, a Pharisee, just like Nicodemus. And after Paul became a believer, he looked back over his life when he was a Pharisee, and he said this, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul said, listen, when it came to the standards of the day, I had every one of them, but I had nothing is in effect what Paul taught. 
And so Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, listen, I know everything that you have in your life, everything by the cultural standards of the day, but you really need to start over. When I was working on my papers for, for seminary, some of them were 30 pages long. I remember one in particular. I got about 10 or 15 pages in and realized it was just junk. You know, I just it didn't make sense. It was awful. And so I basically had to, you know, highlight the whole thing. And I looked at that little delete button going, really? Yeah. Oh, it hurt because that was hours, days of just work that kind of were down the drain. Since that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, everything that you have established in your life, worthless. We have to look in our own lives and ask the same question. Our culture is different than the one that Nicodemus was in. But every culture has their standards. Every culture has their way of saying, listen, this is what you do. You saw the video You looked at those people, they're Americans, they were asked these questions about Easter, the cross, and then especially how one gets to heaven, and they all had their standards, be good enough, do enough right things, just be sincere in your beliefs. That's a big one today, be sincere in your beliefs. Of course, if that's the case, then the guys that hijacked airplanes on September 11th and flew them into buildings, killing all of those people, they're in heaven now, because they sincerely believed what they were doing was right. So is that good enough? Our culture in the United States, we're becoming to a standard of, listen, pretty much whatever makes you feel good, whatever doesn't really hurt anybody else, live and let live, that's the standard. It's good enough. I don't want to interfere with anybody's life. That's, that's the standard that we have. And there's a lot of people, day in and day out, they live their life thinking, like Nicodemus, they're pretty confident. I think, you know, my good and my bad, 51% good, 49% bad, I'm safe. And in much the same way as, as, as Nicodemus The message to them is, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. So what is your standard? How are you looking at your life? Is it just by what the culture tells you, what people around you indicate, or is there something else? Of course, with Nicodemus, this doesn't go over very well, as you can imagine. So he responds in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? We see that Nicodemus here is confused, so Jesus clears it up. He's confused, or at least kind of seems that way. There is a sense here that Nicodemus is probably being a a little bit sarcastic, because he's old. I say that because you couldn't be part of the Sanhedrin and be old. He would have been, okay, just understand they didn't live as long. I'm 42. He would have been older than me, which would have been old then. He would not have been able to go into his mother's womb. She probably wasn't even around anymore. And so he sarcastically kind of says to Jesus, okay, born again. Seriously, do I got to go find some, my mom and be, you know, how does that even work? And it's kind of a typical response when people hear some of the, 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 the message of Jesus, you have to be born again. What? What does that even mean? So Jesus clears it up. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He basically says the exact same thing, just uses a couple different words. Instead of born again, see the kingdom, he says, unless one is born of the water and spirit, can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, when he says water and spirit, some people have wondered, what does it mean, water and spirit? Does water refer to like physical birth or baptism Or any of those things. Well, no, in the context here, Jesus is just, it's reaffirming being born again, what that means. Being born of water and spirit is probably referring to something from the Old Testament. Remember that uh, Nicodemus is supposed to be the the teacher of the Jews. 
And in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 27, we see this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, says this, I will clean you with water. I will clean you from your uncleanness. I will give you a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will put my spirit within you. Nicodemus would have known about this phrase in Ezekiel, this passage in Ezekiel. And Jesus is saying, listen, all the way back then, hundreds of years before this, we made it clear. God made it clear through his word what it takes to be born again, born of the water and spirit. Even if Nicodemus's idea was true, it wouldn't matter. That's why Jesus said in verse six, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. In other words, Nicodemus, even if your goofball idea of being born a second time could happen, you'd still just be another human being lost in your sins. You'd still be fleshly. You need to be born of the spirit. And then Jesus gives an illustration. Well, in verse seven, he says, don't marvel that I said to you. I think this is a knock at the little sarcastic response of of Nicodemus saying, don't be surprised. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about here. Then he gives us this illustration. You must be born again, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. As Jesus talks here, he talks about the wind, and he talks about how we experience the wind. And really, even thousands of years later, we still kind of can understand this. You know, we turn on the news, and they say it's going to be a windy day or storm's going to blow through, and we kind of say it's coming up from the Gulf of Mexico or whatever they say. You're like, okay. But we know it didn't like, you know, just there's this spot where there's no wind and just it starts. It just, where does it come from? And then it comes through and it knocks down your trees and fills up your gutters. I spent hours yesterday cleaning out my gutters. It has effects, doesn't it? The wind does stuff, knocks things over, does things, and then it goes on its way. You don't know where it went. And Jesus is saying when the spirit comes into somebody and, and they're born again, they are, God puts his spirit, he, he cleans them, you will notice it's hard to really explain, just like the wind. It's hard to make sense of, but you, the way you understand it is that you experience the effects, just like you hear the wind. And so he's saying to Nicodemus, listen, somebody's born of the Spirit. You want to know if they really are, look at their lives. Look at how they live. Examine the way they go through the day and say, do you see any sort of difference? You ever been around somebody that, you know, falls in love? They're kind of down in the dumps, and one day they come in, and they're smiling, and, hey, how are you? They're just, oh, they're so excited, and you're like, something's different about old so-and-so. Then you spend a few hours, whatever, with them, and they finally just, oh, I met this person, and da 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 You see a difference, right? That's what Jesus is saying with the Spirit when you're born again. I mean, it's starting anew. The Spirit is within you. He changes you or something wholly different than you were beforehand it's not about a bunch of rigid rules or whatever you are changed there's joy there's happiness there is conviction there is a different way of living so the question i would ask you is if somebody hung out with you for a week what would they say about the question is this person born again 
How would they answer it if they hung out with you from today until next Sunday? And then we brought them in, sat them down and said, well, what do you think? You spent a week with this person. What about our church? I mean, if people came in and sat down here and they've never been a part of it, would they say this is something where the spirit of God is or is it just like a civic organization? They do some good, nice things, but, you know, they're like the Rotary or the Lions Club or whatever. Or is the spirit of God here? It's a point that Jesus is making to this man and to all of us. You see, this is the first recorded deep teaching of, of Jesus and John, and it's fitting that this is what he talks about. He gets to the heart of it. You must be born again. So we get to the third and final little interchange with Nicodemus. Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? And Jesus kind of convicts him. He says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Nicodemus, he's critical. How could this be? This doesn't make any sense. I'm not. No, no. And Jesus then kind of convicts him. Nicodemus, of all of the people you should know. I think deep down Nicodemus is troubled. He knows what this would mean, being born again, losing everything, everything he's established his life to be. I have to give it up? I have to start over? I mean, we see that with the Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul had everything. He was a Pharisee. He had a powerful position. He, He was gaining an influence. And when he met Jesus, was there a difference in Paul's life? Did he, did his life radically change? Yes. And that's kind of the crisis of coming to Christ and meeting him for all of us, everyone in this room, myself included. Am I so corrupt I can't achieve it myself? I can't earn it? I can't do something? Yeah, that's, 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 that's the case. That's why Jesus died. That's why he rose from the dead. That's why he paid the penalty. We can't earn it so that we can turn our lives, look to him and say, all right, you're the Lord of my life in every area. Everything that I've believed in my mind, that, that, that I've made up as a human being, of this culture that I've, I've allowed to come into my life, I reject that. I repent of that. I turn from that, and I build my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I build myself up from his word. His spirit changes me. And Jesus pushes him and said, Nicodemus, of all the people, you should know better. That kind of challenges me that Nicodemus, he was the the, the teacher of Israel. He was the one teaching everybody else. He was the guy that kind of controlled the culture of first century Judaism. And it makes me think in our culture today, who's teaching you? Where are you learning what is right and what is wrong? Now, for a lot of people, they say, oh, the word of God. But if you examine your life, where do you get most of your information? Where do you spend most of your time? How much time do you get of television or the internet or social media filling you full of all sorts of this is what you should believe, this is how you should act, this is how you should think, and then maybe a minute or two or from the word of God? At this point, Nicodemus fades away. Beginning in verse 11, when Jesus says, truly, truly, we don't see Nicodemus again. We get into, and this is my encouragement on Easter. I'll talk about the rest of this next week. So come back next week. Let's, let's, let's do this again, all right? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. He goes on and on. He gets down to verse 16. And I think probably most of you have heard this before. Jesus says to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
You see, before he gets to that verse where he says, whoever believes in him, he's explained what belief looks like. It, belie- it looks like somebody being born again, somebody starting afresh, somebody starting new. It's not just, well, I've read something and yeah, that sounds good, I guess so, and let me go on about my life. It is radically changing, repenting and turning and saying, Jesus is the Lord of my life. So that's the question before we go here. Does that describe you? Have you repented of your sins? Have you said God is God? He's the king of kings. It was his supernatural plan. And when we sinned, that his son would come and die on a cross, rise from the dead, and I put my faith, I am born again. His spirit enters me by putting my faith and trust in him. Does that describe you? The way his word teaches us is to look just like the wind. Do you see the effects in your life? 